You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. More on that Flames 4-3 overtime loss to the Blues last night. We're asking you on the text line 960-960, which loss was worse, Saturday in Chicago against those lowly Blackhawks or blowing that 3-1 third period lead last night in St. Louis against the Blues 960-960? Tell us who you are and where you are texting from. Anthony Stewart from the NHL on Sportsnet later and our man Julian McKenzie from The Athletic. But joining us on the line right now, Sportsnet baseball columnist, our man Shai Davidi. Shai, good morning. How are you? I'm all right. What's going on? Uh, Shy, how late uh, can people still say Happy New Year? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this. Uh, mutual friend, uh, Paul Jones, always told me this. Even if it's like March or April, if that's the first time you see that spe- a specific person, you can still wish them Happy New Year. Is that weird, or is that kind of just one week into the new year? I mean, March seems a little late to me yeah. on that. Uh, I'm kind of more first or second week, like you know your first uh, your first contact with with persons, first couple of weeks of the new year. I think it's still valid, but after that, it kind of seems all right. Well, we're kind of into this already. Once once you're back at work after the holiday break and been at it for you know a few days, it kind of seems all right. Now, new mm. happy new year might be too far. That that's just my take. All right, uh, I like it. I, I I agree with that. Um, the Blue Jays have been super. Are you going to tell them Happy New Year, or are you just going to ask the question? Hey, shy Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, Happy New Year to you too. Thank I think you. we're right. We're right on the cup. Right on the. Yeah, cup. see, that's why. I, that's why. That's why I asked you because I'm like, do I say Happy New Year? Do I not? Does it get weird? It's already well into 2023. Um, Blue Jays super busy right now. Um, I just want to ask you this too, with with the recent moves here, the trade and the signing of Brandon Belt. How much better are the Blue Jays on paper today than they were when they blew that lead against the Mariners in the wild card round of the playoffs? So this is really interesting, kind of a, a way to think about that question. So a lot of the defensive issues in the outfield that led to some of the Mariners' runs in that game probably don't happen with the current outfield defense. Right, like they, mm. they get the ball that Tapia didn't get to in left field. They get probably get to the ball in center field, the blue pit that Springer and Bichette ended up colliding on. You know, there are a couple of things that happened in that game that dramatically alter the way things played out. On the flip side, you also don't have Teoscar Hernandez's two home runs, so mm. you know you're a little bit different in a lot of ways, and you know you're tighter. You're maybe a bit harder to score against but you're maybe not quite as explosive offensively, although the addition of Brandon Belt starts changing that dynamic a little bit more because you know, if, he, if, if you're getting some semblance of 2021 Brandon Belt rather than the you know, hobbled by a knee injury 2022 Brandon Belt, then you've got an impact left-handed bat, and there's more balance in the lineup, so you're going to really attack uh, teams in different ways or have a little bit more versatility and um, diversity in your lineup. So, you know, from a total standpoint, I don't necessarily know that the, the talent is dramatically different, but it just seems that they are 
uh, uh, just uh, have more uh, a wider variety of tools with which to deploy against other teams now. Shy, um, I, I always think of the Bill Parcells quote: um, "You start listening to the fans, you sit with them." And isn't this Brandon Belt deal the perfect example of that? That the Blue Jays waited, all the fans, everybody on Twitter, it's November, early December. Why aren't they doing anything? Hurry up and do something. Go sign this guy. Go sign that guy. But a one-year deal for a guy like Brandon Belt, it's totally uh, low risk, high reward. Is this just another example of this front office being patient and then their patience paying off with getting a guy like Brandon Belt and essentially a can't-lose deal? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you you can lose because if, if Brennan Belt is, you know, doesn't regain his form and uh, it, it hits the way that he did last year, I mean, that's tough, right? Because that's $10 million or $9.3 million that you've spent. And, uh, you know, you need some production out of that. Uh, but the risk is limited and it's contained. But, uh, you know, fans are entitled to to feel kind of the way they feel right it's it's emotional you see all these deals happening and when your team isn't a part of it it's really frustrating you're like oh well all these names are coming off the board what's our club doing you know i totally understand and respect that you know i think what happens though is that the sometimes emotions can keep you from being able to just have a rational sense of where things are and you know, the Blue Jays had plans, they had some financial flexibility, and they weren't, you know, what they wanted to execute wasn't breaking at the time of the winter meetings. And a couple things there, like they did, they were legitimately trying to get Andrew Heaney. You know, they really wanted him. They didn't get him. They did have some interest in Cody Bellinger. Uh, you know, they they kicked, uh, kicked, at least examined the possibility of Brandon Nimmo. I'm not sure if the Blue Jays were ever seriously involved in that. You know, same thing with, with Justin Verlander. You know, they were in up to a point, but once the bidding, uh, once the Mets took the bidding where, where they took it to, you know, th- that wasn't happening. And so that's frustrating if you're, if you're a fan. So I get that. But, uh, you know, I think the past couple off seasons have been demonstrative to fans. It's like, okay, like, be rational about this. There is a plan. They are going to accomplish things. People will take their money, and you just have to wait it out a little bit. Shy, after the season ended, there was a lot of discussion about changing up the variety in the batting order, lefties, righties, adding some more lefties. And with Brandon Belt and Dalton Varsho in, they've, they've done that. But have they done enough in your eyes to give them enough variety, especially understanding, you know, limited season for Brandon Belt, and he might not be available for... 162 this year. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't forget about Kevin Kiermeyer as mm-hmm. well. And, you know, I think that the number one thing the Blue Jays looked at, well, there are a couple things, but the first thing they looked at, they were like, we're not tight enough defensively to help out our pitching staff the way that we need to, right? And, and it's no coincidence that most often the best pitchers in the game are also on the best defensive teams in the game, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so they looked at that and then, you know, how do you really impact that? So Kevin Kiermaier, again, assuming he's healthy, he's coming off hip surgery, uh, and, and Dalton Varshaw in that outfield pushing George Springer to right field. I mean, that's going to be a really tight outfield. They're going to take away a lot of hits. So, so that's a major difference. And, and so they address that. Then the other thing is like, can do you, you want to get more left-handed, right? And, the way the Blue Jays are set up right now, you know, they can 
pretty much stack their entire lineup with righties against, you know, certain types of left-handed pitchers. And then they can get four left-handed hitters against the type of right-handed pitcher that's given them a lot of trouble. So, you know, if you're facing, say, Luis Castillo in game one of a, of a playoff series, you know, you can have uh, Varsho, Kiermaier, Belt, and Kevin Biggio in there uh, mm. to, 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 to sort of negate what, what Castillo is doing. And so I think they have, they've done that to a certain way. Now you need the players to perform. And, you know, say for Varsho, there are questions around each one of those left-handed bats. And so it, in theory, it looks good. You know, based on recent performance, it looks it has a potential to be really good. But especially because two of the players are coming off, you know, significant injuries, there are some health questions that may that may limit the the performance. It's the big show with Russick and Rose on Sportsnet 960, the fan side of any Sportsnet baseball columnist joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Shy, uh, with that kind of report floating around on social media the last couple of days that the Blue Jays outbid the Yankees for Dalton Varsho. How much does that make Blue Jays fans just feel better about this deal? I mean, look, whenever, if you're winning a trade, you're outbidding someone, right? And, uh, you know, the Yankees outbid the Blue Jays in the summer for, you know, uh, Frankie Montas and uh, Lou Trevino at the deadline. And, you know, at that, at that point in time, that one hurt a little bit too. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess if if you really hate the Yankees and uh, you you view things through that prism, then yeah, that feels great. Uh, at the same time, you're like, you know, it's it's a it's a not insignificant price the Blue Jays played for a paid for Varsho. Uh, you know, Gabriel Moreno is one of those prospects that you feel a bit uncomfortable moving because he could turn out to be you know a multiple time All Star. Uh, you know, there there's some certainly some some issues that he has to resolve and those showed up during his, uh, his early stint in the big leagues, but there's enough talent and ability there that he could certainly turn it around. Um, so uh, ultimately, look, if it wasn't going to be Varsho, the Blue Jays would have gotten someone else and it would have been fine. Uh, but, you know, Varsho, it was the impact defender that a lot of, or impact outfielder, not, you know, he's got a offensive upside too, and that could make a significant difference. And, Certainly the Blue Jays are happy that they got him, and I can understand fans wanting to celebrate that. The other transaction made by the Blue Jays yesterday was a trade with the Pittsburgh Pirates as they acquire right-handed pitcher Zach Thompson. Big dude, 6'7", 250 pounds. Not great numbers with Pittsburgh last year on a bad team. Uh, made his debut in 2021. What did you make of this deal that saw Chavez Young sent to the Pirates in exchange for the 29-year-old pitcher? Yeah, this is just, this is just a depth move, right? Like, Somebody you could stash at AAA. He's got options, so he can come up and down, and you know fill gaps for the Blue Jays whenever they arise. And you think about last September when, in the midst of a chase for a playoff spot, the Blue Jays had three bullpen days in 14 or 15 days, whatever it was. You know that's not good, right? Like mm. things aren't. You, your depth is not in a good spot if that's what you have to do in that situation. So. Uh, you know, Thompson is a guy who can come in and fill in that gap. You know, if you need somebody for a double header to start a game, uh, he can come in uh, either to start or, you know, to just carry some bulk innings, whatever the, the, the case is. Uh, and that that's the type of piece that the Blue Jays lacked. 
And so there's some big league pedigree there. So it's not, you know, a prospect that you're crossing your fingers on. You have a, you have a rough idea of what you're going to get. And maybe he, maybe he, he improves and, and takes a step forward. But even if he doesn't, you know, teams need these types of guys. Like they, the, the minor league deal with the Blue Jays signed for Drew Hutchison uh, late last week. You know, that's another piece of that. Just having guys around who can fill in spots uh, which is, you know, a short a shortcoming they had this past season that they're, they're trying to address right now. Shai, we had you on about a month ago, and I asked you this question. I'm going to ask you again. Any whispers on what's going on with the Vlad and Bo extensions? Is that even on, you know, the minds of Ross and Mark because they've been so busy here lately? Is that something we can maybe hear whispers about in spring training? What's the latest on that? Well, I mean, it, it should uh, – I would – I'm certain it's been on the minds of everybody around the Blue Jays, uh, not just uh, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro. But this is the time where, you know, you'll start maybe floating some ideas around that. The arbitration filing deadline is Friday. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not certain, but I don't think there's been anything substantive yet. But this is, as I'm sure we talked about the last time, you know, this is sort of the point in time where it's got to happen, right? The, the incentive for both those guys to start signing those extensions uh, is dissipating uh, with each day that passes because they're closer to free agency and they're also starting to bank some money. You know, uh, Bo's going to have, you know, about seven, eight million dollar payday. Vladdy's going to be, I don't know, like 14, 15 million dollars this year. That's going to be their salary floor. The wor- if the in the worst case scenarios for both guys for the next three years, but perhaps more. And you know, once you start kind of having enough money to set yourself up for life, and you know, you're you're looking sort of to the next contract. Well, it's got to be a big one if you're going to give up the potential free agency, especially after what we saw this off season. So, uh, you know, I, I do expect that there will be more discussions with both guys. And, you know, depending on, you know, what they hear back, how commonly they, they see it, uh, you know, there may be some traction there, but it's also possible that the Blue Jays continue to play this out. They go the Red Sox route that the Red Sox have gone with Bogerts and Endeavors, and ultimately we'll see how that plays out. Speaking of shortstops in their prime who need new deals. Carlos Correa sounds like he's going back to the Minnesota Twins. I'm just intrigued to get your thoughts on what we've seen over the last month. Is it looked like he was going to sign with the Giants, didn't pass the physical, looked like he was going to sign with the Mets, didn't pass the physical, and now he's going back to the Twins uh, on what looks to be a, a long-term deal with plenty of money involved as well. What have, what have you made of this entire situation with Carlos Correa? Well, I mean, it's really interesting that you know, the, the twins would have had a physical with, with Carlos Correa uh, just last spring. And this wouldn't have been an issue in the way that it's become an issue right now. And certainly the dollars were different. It was, uh, you know, the twins committed up to $105 million. Uh, it had Correa not exercised uh, the, his opt out there. Uh, and it was three times as much for the giants and the Mets with him. But, at the same time, um, you know, their level of discomfort was so beyond what the twins had. It's, uh, you know, and that, and that's like, you know, that's what their medical people saw. And, and certainly they have to trust that. 
the you know if you're the twins, I think you're looking at this and you're almost doing cartwheels, right? Because you went into this thinking, okay, let's try and sign this guy long term, and this is not a deal typical of their market and of that organization. And then they put in an offer. I think they, you know, the reports out there that they were in the $285 million range, uh, you know, before the, uh, before the agreements with the, the Giants and the Mets. And then this happened, and all of a sudden, Correa almost falls to them. And they've got a comfort with them. They saw him play. They dealt with him on a day-to-day basis. There's no guesswork there for them. And, you know, he falls to them at lower, at a price lower than what they had to do with some protections if something goes wrong for them that further limits some of the exposure there. I mean, this is almost the, the best case scenario for them in a lot of ways and, and really changes the dynamic in the AL Central for a significant period of time, especially with the White Sox being a little uncertain. So um, it's, it's, it's a fascinating situation in a number of different ways. I wonder if we're going to see maybe some agents be a little bit more careful with how they you know, leak information when agreements are reached uh, because of what happened with Correa. But it, it's, um, it, it's a really, it, in so many different ways, it, it's a fascinating exercise, uh, one that's going to reverberate in a number of different ways around the game for years to come. Uh, Shai, uh, before I let you go, uh, big congrats on your uh, gig of being the national president of the Baseball Writers Association of America at the Winter Meetings in San Diego last month. Uh, big congrats on that. What what's what's on your mandate? Uh, are you going to run this like a dictatorship? <laughs> Why was Shai Davidi going to run? Are you going to have some crazy secret documents uh, tucked away at the Davidi House? Like what what's going to go on with with your presidency and this very prestigious role that we're all really proud of you for? Well, I'm actually going to force a lot of Canadiana down everybody's. Okay, phone. that's good. The, we like it. Change change the title to Prime Minister as opposed to <laughs> President. Going to Canadianize that's all good. the spellings. Going to drop in a bunch of U's and change ERs to RES in uh, in our constitution. Uh, no, it's it's really uh, it, it just being there to support all our various chapters in in whatever comes up, and it, it's a real privilege to be able to take care of your colleagues in this way and to serve your colleagues. And uh, I've learned all, a ton in the month or so that uh, I've been at it already. And there are a lot of different layers. And um, uh, <laughs> I've added another layer of busyness to, to my mm. schedule that uh, I didn't necessarily expect. But uh, it's been great getting to know some people that, uh, you know, I knew a little bit beforehand, but didn't necessarily um, have super uh, strong personal relationships with and um that's been really exciting so uh really really glad to to be able to serve my colleagues and uh, looking forward to dealing with whatever comes up during the year uh shy davidi blue jays insider for sportsnet shy thanks for this happy new year pal we'll talk soon (laughs) you too boys take care uh there is shy davidi brought to you by atlas pizza and sports bar come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. There you go. I'm fired up. Another Blue Jays season right around the corner. Pitchers and catchers reporting. Um, Can I just say the one thing I hate with a capital H is spring training baseball and spring (laughs) training baseball takes. Good God, I hate it. Like in, in the other city I used to work with, I won't mention it, um, but 
Like, oh, did you see uh, Ajax? You know, uh, and Nate Pearson was a spring training legend yep. like three years ago. Oh, this guy's going to be a Cy Young Award winner. Look at him. He's mowing everybody down. <laughs> spring training takes the worst. There's and 100... caring about spring training is the worst. When sometimes they play to a tie and they're like, okay, we're done. Let's shut this thing <laughs> down. Because they don't even care. No. You're just getting reps. You realize that That's you have it. 162 games. Yeah. Just like how the Flames had to play a bajillion preseason games this year. For what reason? Wasn't there a team that didn't play the minimum amount? Cash and they rep. were like, that's too bad. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure Nashville played like three. And they yeah. were like, and the league was like, okay. I, Whatever. Good for you guys, I guess. Yeah. But baseball's ooh, it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow watching those spring training games. The, but apparently it's awesome to go watch. I've never been down to spring training. In good old Dunedin. Yeah, well. But apparently it's good times. Oh, the sun in March and late yeah, February. It's yeah, great. Duh. Yeah, absolutely. And or then, and especially, if, I'm if sure a lot of our listeners maybe went down to Arizona mm, during spring training. You're a huge baseball honk. You get to watch a little bit yeah. of baseball and you haven't watched it all. Like, I understand the allure. Not for me, but I can get it. Um, we'll talk more about this Flames 4-3 overtime loss to the Blues uh, straight ahead. Get your text at 960-960. Tell us where you are, who you are. Um, which loss was worse uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday, excuse me, against the Blackhawks or last night in St. Louis? But a uh, weird story uh, went down last night, uh, and we got to hand it over to our wrestling uh, expert. Like, if if we want to talk about European handball and high lie, we just throw things right over to Matty Rose. But <laughs> since this is a wrestling story... Uh, we'll throw it to you because you actually watch wrestling, yes. which really impresses me. Apparently, uh, the WWE uh, was potentially sold to Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, but that's not apparently the case. But if you can read the tea leaves, which to me isn't really, uh, it doesn't take a lot of gum shoeing. Mm. You don't have to be Sherlock Holmes. When Stephanie McMahon steps down as a person on the board of the WWE, maybe not wanting to be involved in anything Saudi Arabia, doesn't this feel like this sale to that fund is just inevitable, especially with Vince McMahon back? Yeah, I mean, it's the way it goes. If you don't know, uh, Vince McMahon left the company about, I don't know, five months ago after a lot of uh, not-so-good allegations. You can Google not those. Not-so-good. Not-so-good. Not so I thought he was canceled. Oh, not the yeah. good allegations. Yeah, most people thought he was, too, but uh, he, this is uh, he's weaseled his way back in to okay. try to sell this company. Uh, sell the WWE, and there's a bunch of, uh, I mean, Fox was in on it, uh, Comcast, uh, NBC, uh, the big networks, obviously, because WWE is a television product, and uh, you need a TV station to put it on. Uh, now, uh, there has been, obviously, the WWE has a lot of connections with the, with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. They've had events there, I want to say, probably going back uh, five, six years now. They've had uh, a couple events per year over in Saudi Arabia. Um, there is a relationship there for sure. Uh, but Ariel Helwani, big MMA tw- uh, guy, he tweeted out that uh, contrary to reports stating otherwise last night, there's no deal in place at mm. this moment to uh, have WWE be sold to Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. Uh, and also the tweet from last night saying that it was going to happen has been uh, deleted. Uh, so Buddy got some bad information there. But yeah, uh, Steph came back in to be the CEO of the company after her father stepped down and... Uh, I guess uh, last night, Stephanie, she uh, released a statement there, of course, mm. saying she's just stepping down, essentially, and uh, uh, she's really just, like, obviously the most professional way you could take it, but I'm sure, like, a lot of people thought, you know, this thing was going to stay in the family. It's always been a family thing with, obviously, like, once Vince goes, it was going to be Stephanie and Triple H's company, and 
not so much right now, it seems, that uh, Vince is uh, a billionaire that just wants to get more money. And a lot of people say if Saudi Arabia takes this company, will Vince stay in control of creative? And that could see a mass uh, exodus of talent uh, around Mm. the WWE as well. Because uh, I will say that the product has been a lot better since Vince has left. And... uh, Kind of worried right now. Wow, what's going to happen to this company? Well, that was I was going to ask you if hardcore wrestling guys like yourself, you obviously don't want this sale to go through, right? I mean, I I can't be. I I don't want to be a hypocrite here because I'm a giant fan of Newcastle United, uh, who were purchased by Saudi Arabia's public investment fund not eighteen months ago, and so I don't want to be as like, oh, the Saudis can't buy it because they just bought my favorite soccer team, so. I don't want to be a hypocrite and say that, but it's right. it, 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 you will see the talent. There will be a lot of people, like Sami Zayn, Canadian wrestler who is Syrian descent as well, who's involved in one of the biggest storylines in the company right now, uh, does not go to Saudi Arabia when the, when the company goes there. He has nothing to do with them uh, when they go over to Saudi Arabia, and he is involved in this massive storyline. So you wonder if Saudi Arabia does take over, what happens to guys like Sami Zayn? What happens mm. to the women wrestlers? Who oh have we boy. seen a giant uh, women's? Uh, Wait, there's an issue with that in oh Saudi my God, Arabia. Just a little bit, you know. Yeah, I know. Uh, but like, just uh, the 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 way the women wrestling has has grown over the last three years, how they're just not just a face to look at. They actually have some talent. They actually have storyline. Wonder what happens there. So mm. a lot will happen here. So over the last uh, over the last 24 hours or so, and just this uh, seems like every hour something new comes up. Also, it's blood money. But other than well, that, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, yeah, it's really where the money just... comes from is where it was. Why, like, live, yeah. live golf is a big thing too. Why everybody and like another thing, live had to literally give the TV rights to FS1 to Fox for free because nobody was going to put that on there. Nobody wanted to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Who's going to put WWE on their network if they know that they're being run by Saudi Arabia? That's another thing, especially in the United States. A lot of company ESPN doesn't want to touch that. NBC won't want to touch that. We'll see. The interesting difference here would be that the WWE, for years, has drawn ridiculous television audiences. WrestleMania just hit, like, the WrestleMania that's set to take place this April in Los Angeles just broke its biggest gate ever. Like, it's The the product is hotter than ever. Some of the numbers for TV viewings, like, week in and week out, are preposterous. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, I do think that there are networks that would say, perhaps, like, live has no backing except for bringing over superstars. And frankly, mm-hmm. no one knew how the last year was going to go. Mm. And now, even then, Liv is having all of these executives leave. Like, they've had, like, five yeah. high-ranking executives leave over the last month or two as things look like they're maybe a little bit tumultuous behind the scenes there. Shocker. But as the million-dollar man once said, everyone's got a price. Ha, 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 ha. That's, that was, that's a good oh, drop right there. That was pretty there. good. That's that a good a drop. Uh, straight ahead, uh, Flames lose 4-3 in overtime last night to the Blues. We'll talk about that, and uh, we'll find out what the hell is going on with the Sportsnet 960 Twitter account, because I have questions. We'll do that next. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Coming to you live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Downtown studio together for the first time since 2023. Happy New Year, Matthew. Yeah. Okay. Happy New Year, Patrick. Happy New Year, Alex. Nobody say it back. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's 
great. <laughs> um, Anthony Stewart from the NHL on Sportsnet at the top of the hour. Talk about the Calgary Flames with Stewie. Uh, how frustrating it must be in Vancouver with that fan base. Like, just like make up your GD mind. Like, just be terrible and tank or... I don't think there's another option, to be honest with you, in Vancouver. Well, and frankly, it's too late to tank. Everyone's got a head start on you. Yep. The Blackhawks are historically bad. Yep. Maybe not historically, but, like, they're awful. Uh, the Ducks? Awful. Yep. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue Jackets? Not good. Putrid. Yuck. Hey, at least Johnny went home, and he's a plane ride closer to home in playing in Columbus. Yeah, really great. Um Sure, he's really happy playing for that team right now. Yeah, there's some bad teams. Yeah, they're, the Habs have been really bad lately too. Yeah, they're doing a good job of. Uh, they're starting to really it up. Yeah, yeah, and now with all the veterans, they have an expiring deal. Here is the key for them: was get the veterans off to a little bit of a good start, get right. that stock price up. But the thing is, now that you're starting to dip, those prices starting to come down mm. again. Did you need to capitalize a little bit pre-holiday break on some of those moves? Maybe. That's the big question but, for but, me in Montreal. But also the problem is uh, teams are so tied up against the salary cap, it's impossible to make moves. Um, we're going to, to wrap up the hour, uh, we'll find out what's going on with the Sports at 960 Twitter account because I'm perplexed. I'm it's been a little quiet lately, and we'll tell you why. Yeah, I, I want to know uh, the reason behind that, and we'll talk to Stewie at the top of the hour. But the Flames lose last night 4-3 in overtime to the Blues, uh, we're asking our listeners 960-960 name and location on the text line. Which loss was worse Sunday in Chicago against the aforementioned Blackhawks who were without Patrick Kane? That was that was a sloppy loss for Calgary on Sunday night or last yeah. night in St. Louis where it looked like um, the Flames from the October start where they started on time and they looked really good last night for the first at least 30 minutes of that game in St. Louis and... I thought Lou said something that was really, uh, really caught my attention last night on the on the post game show. Talked about this is a very mature team who looked very immature last night in that game, and I thought that was a very astute point that you're a veteran team that's fighting for the playoff lives, and you're playing against a team who's playing without eight of its regulars. You got to lock down the two points last night in St. Louis. You just have to. Well, especially when you have the two goal lead going into the third period. Like it's you knew it was going to be a tough game because as much as St. Louis has kind of slumped in, and we talked to Frank Suravali just last week and we talked about, oh, are they going to trade Ivan Barbashev? Are they going to trade Ryan O'Reilly? Are they going to trade Tarasenko? And now it's like, okay, you're just a few points out of the playoffs and you've had a really good run. Mm -hmm. And really, if you can take four points here against the Flames, you're probably going to be in a wild card position, especially if you can win the next one in regulation. So, yeah, it's one that you definitely needed to have, you wanted to have. It's been wild because I feel like in the last two games, the Flames have played good hockey, but have really been undone by one line on the other side of the ice. And that's never really been a problem. When you look at the Flames and they have the Backlund line and the Lindholm line, both those should be really good at checking. You should feel comfortable at either of those lines mm -hmm. being out there against anybody. And I know you're on the road, so you don't necessarily get the matchups, but like it was the Reichel and Max Domi show when they played the Blackhawks on Sunday, didn't expect that going into the game. Maybe did expect a little bit more of the Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo show when you go and play the St. Louis Blues. But nevertheless, the Flames' inability to maintain it and kind of suppress those top lines for either of those clubs, that's disappointing. 
And that's also not something that they did a lot last year. That wasn't a problem. Um, Producer Patrick Dumas, how incomplete does this Flames roster feel like right now? Well, I mean, if you ask the coach, I mean, he's got, uh, he keeps saying uh, we don't have that dominant player, that dominant player, that dominant player. And that seems to be the thing here is they they feel like they don't have anybody in that top six. But I'm also just like, well, scoring isn't a problem. They got three goals. I mean, that's that's doing all right. Scoring isn't a problem right now. It does feel a little incomplete. And like the, the little mistakes, the little, like, I didn't like the Kadri penalty right off the face off last night. I like what, like, what is this stuff? Like. I, it's it is does feel a little bit incomplete, and it's uh, it's the inconsistencies. As Markstrom, like you mentioned earlier, it does maybe feel like a little bit of his stuff is creeping into his game that he's got to clean back up. I would hope to see Vladar on Thursday. Uh, maybe that can uh, stem the time of it, but it does it does feel a little bit more incomplete. And whether that's adding somebody here into the the, the I don't know if it, it has to be an ad because mm-hmm. like it, this is a good squad that just isn't working out in little bits of the game. It's not like they're playing a horrible 60 minutes. It's, well, they took five minutes off here, and it cost them the dang game. Do you think this team, uh, both of you guys, Matty, we'll start with you. Do you think this team is, it's playing like, let's just get to the playoffs here. Yeah. Because yeah. that's that's the makeup of this roster. When that, when that move was done, mm-hmm. when, when Johnny decided, hey, I'm piecing out of Calgary, and then the Kachuk trade, that's everything that uh, even when I got here and you guys were talking about in the summer, this team potentially could be a lot better in the playoffs based on the jam now on the team, especially with the guys like Nazem Kadri here. Mm-hmm. Like, let's wait till the playoffs to see what this team is. And this team has had great regular seasons and fizzled in the playoffs. Maybe this year's a reversal of that. You struggle your tooth and nail to get into the dance, and then all of a sudden uh, you're going to be that team that a lot of us thought that the depth will find a way in these Stanley Cup playoffs, and this team can make a run, especially with what you just talked about, Patrick. Mm-hmm. If they can add a top six forward, which is universally, I think, accepted by everybody in the hockey world, that the Flames need to add a top six forward here to, to add a little more scoring punch up front. Does Maddie, does this team feel like, yeah, let's just get this regular season over with? Let's just play good enough here just to get into the dance, and then we'll actually show you what this team is made of. Yeah, 100%. It also does feel like there's still guys trying to figure out tendencies of each other and, frankly, how a a Daryl Sutter system plays. Listen to a Nikita Zadorov interview that he did on Chicklets yesterday, right before Christmas, and one of the things he talked about was when he joined and Daryl Sutter was brought on board, it took him 40, 45 games to kind of get used to the way that Daryl wanted the team to play, and we've reached that point for guys like Kadri and Huberdo and Uyghur, and we've heard that maybe for Kadri it's been easier to transition, a guy who's moved between teams before, mm-hmm. whereas Huberdo and Uyghur, it's been a little bit different. It feels like it's starting to come around, but like it's been for the entirety of the season, it does feel like they're maybe missing something in the top six. I do think that Milan Lucic for the past two weeks has done a fine job playing on that line, Mm -hmm. but ideally you'd probably want to bump them down. But then you get to the, what is the cost going to be? What is the player that you want to bring in? Because if it's a Timo Meyer who's at the top of the list, what's that going to cost you? Is that going to cost you your 2023 first-round pick and one of your top prospects, like a Coronado, a Zeri, a Peltier, uh, a Wolf, you know, something like that? Or do you maybe try and go a little bit smaller fish hunting? Like, Barbashev is a great player that I would love to have 
in the top six here. But now the Blues are playing well again. So, yes, they need it. But I just don't know if the prices that they're going to cost is worth throwing all your eggs in the basket this particular yeah. season, given that you're going to have to play with this core but, for a few years. But didn't Tree already make that decision with what he did in the summer? He could have said, okay, uh, their two biggest pl- stars are gone from the team now. Let's let's have a rebuild here. Let's let's tear this thing down. Let's bottom out. Let's start building through the draft. And that trade he made uh, with the Panthers and the signing of Kadri is like, no, this team's all in now here for the next few years trying to win a Stanley Cup. So I don't think you have the luxury if you're the Calgary Flames to wait on some of these prospects because this is a win-now team. It's what it is. By you making those moves, it's win now. And I get it. In the salary cap, you need a lot of your first-round picks. You need those prospects to hit because they're cheap on their entry-level deals, and you need them to be contributors, and that's how it works in today's salary cap in the NHL. I get all of that. But they've already proven that, uh, yeah, this is a win-now team. Let's do it. And Tree's contract is up. And is his future tied to how deep this team goes in the playoffs? I don't know. I don't know how ownership views him and, and what he's done, but everybody said, wow, being under the gun like he was and, and the situation he had to deal with in the summer, he came out with probably the best-looking GM out of anybody this past summer with how he rescued the team and kept them very competitive, at least on paper. Mm-hmm. We're just not seeing those results right now. But when it comes to trading draft picks and prospects, why wouldn't he? And I think he should. Because let's see this team the way it's currently constructed into the dance, and let's see uh, this different approach this team has with guys like Kadri and Huberto here. And you definitely have to add some piece there. But when it comes to adding prospects or giving away prospects and picks to do that, I don't think this organization will have a problem doing that. The prospects for me, I'm not. I don't have such a problem with. And really, it, like the other part of this to me is that this isn't a team that's at a top three position in the Pacific Division. And we know how hard it is to win in the playoffs. So are you going to give up all those assets for a guy who's essentially a rental? Because do you believe you're going to be able to bring back a guy like if you get him in for the sake of the argument, a Timo Meyer, who has this ridiculous $10 million qualifying offer that he's probably not going to get, but you're still going to have to sign him to big money after. And it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to bring that guy in hypothetically. I just, I don't know. It's It's been a really tumultuous first 41 games. There's been stretches where they look like world beaters, and there's stretches where they look like they should be tanking for Connor Bedard. Now they're in that little middling spot, but at least they find themselves in a playoff position. Yeah. I don't know. It's I go back and forth on it, it feels like, every day. Like, where it's they should trade for something and bring in a whole bunch of talent. And then the next day it's, well, what if it doesn't work out? Because my point would be the Cali Yarncroke trade. You gave up two seconds for that guy and now he's gone. And what did that amass to one goal over his entire tenure here? Because that guy cost you two second round picks. And at the time it felt like that was the perfect ad for this team. It felt like it was the ideal ad, like the perfect player for them. Mm -hmm. 
and now you're out those two seconds, which good picks, and you don't really have that much to show for it. I uh, I want to ask you guys both this question before we uh, find out what's going on with the Sports at 960, or, uh, 960 Twitter account. Through Now we're in the, officially in the second half of the season. What's the reasonable expectation for this Flames team now? What would be a successful season? First round win, getting into the conference, obviously it's the Stanley Cup, and I understand that. But what would be a successful season for the Calgary Flames? After what you've seen through 42 games. It's tough to change your expectations after the start of the season where they were so high. Um, or were they like the third, four co-favorite to win the Stanley Cup? Yeah, they were easily a top 10 Vegas favorite going into the season. Do you think the there's season. a lot of fans out there who that's their reasonable expectation of this team to win the Stanley Cup? At this particular moment, I think that there's a lot of fans that are frustrated with the idea that that's probably not realistic mm-hmm. and being on the opposite end of the spectrum actually wouldn't be a bad time to do it this year and being in the middle like this is a bad year to be in the middle mm. this is which we've talked yeah. about it's always a bad place to be right but this is exceptionally it's, bad especially what Jason Bukel has told us what what this draft is just stock full you of basically, blockbuster players if you're in a early lottery, in the first round if you're in a lottery position yeah. you're probably going to get a bona fide Again, NHL player real 100%. quick both of you what is the, what would be a successful season uh, as we or as we're officially into the second half of the Calgary Flames i'm going to say get to the conference finals but i'm not going to say with a lot of conviction because it's it feels like that would be a success but i know a lot of the fan base would disagree with me okay Patrick, I'm going to say, uh, you know, winning a first winning in the first round again, that would probably be a pretty good bang up uh, accomplishment for this team uh, with the amount of uh, with the new ads, the chemistry that they had to trans mesh so quickly. And if they can get this going, if they can somehow like because right now what they would do, they'd be playing the Dallas Stars in the first round. Look at that rematch. That would be a rematch again. And how much confidence do you have in, in them beating Jake Ottinger this time? Hmm. They don't have a Goudreau right now. Right. So I think winning a first round would be a massive accomplishment for this team. Um, Anthony Stewart, the NHL on Sportsnet, going to join us at the top of the hour. Then we'll talk to Julian McKenzie. I'll ask both of them the question. And Julian's got a great piece in The Athletic on the first half report cards for the Calgary Flames. But I'll ask both of them, what should be the reasonable expectation for the Calgary Flames now as we're in the second half? Of the season, but uh, I have noticed um, in my absence, according to some of our listeners, I've been gone for months, which I appreciate that you miss me so much. Thank you. Um, and then some people are like, good, stay on vacation, idiot. But uh, I have noticed that our Sportsnet 960 uh, Twitter account uh, is frozen right now. Not tweeting out the show plans. Yeah, like, I see. Not a Al- lot of updates from the Flames game yesterday. Uh, you should you should also uh, follow Alex Brody on media at Alex Alex What's your Brody Twitter media? account, Alex? Yeah. Alex Brody Media. Thank you. Follow him on because he's he's diligently tweeting out the show with this Twitter account. So, Alex, uh, I think you're the one to ask this. Uh, what is going on with the MIA Sportsnet 960 Twitter account? Uh, so, basically, out of nowhere, yes, uh, I believe on Monday or maybe even a little bit earlier, but all of a sudden, we were locked out of our Twitter account. And it was just after we changed our social media did, did we try to play a Dr. Dre song with our Twitter account? <laughs> and Dr. Dre froze us? Is that what happened to us? Uh, you know what? I wish it was that simple. Okay. Um, but essentially, oh, I got a follow on Twitter. Somebody followed me. Nice. You're welcome. Thank you. Boom. Um, so basically, 
we we added a birthday because we Twitter why said, Twitter basically said we need to be an adult <laughs> to follow betting accounts, and since we didn't have a birthday, it was bas- it basically like prompted us to to change our birthday. So our 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 station manager Art went ahead and changed it, and oh, I guess throw Art under the bus. Wow, I would <laughs> um, love Art a lot. Um, but he put the year two thousand, um, which is younger than me, which is which is insane. Um, <laughs> but so like that would put you over the age now. But the thing is, our account was created in twenty thirteen, I believe. So Twitter, in their algorithms, whatever. Was like, oh, you were 13 when you created Twitter. You're not supposed to do that. I guess like it breaks age restrictions. And also, we were following betting accounts, so they just went and shut us down. They they locked us out of our account. No access. You can't even find it on Twitter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're the the process to getting it back is is in motion. I'm pretty sure they've done. Why don't we just create can. a new one and buy Twitter blue, and then we got our check mark. <laughs> then, we, then we're verified. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, basically it was just a little birthday thing I that kind of blew this all up. We got shadow banned too. Hey, dang. Okay, so amazing. Again, wh- Elon, bring us back. You bring <laughs> you bring other guys bra- back. Bring us back. Okay, so, <laughs> but we we wanted a birthday to follow betting sites. Maybe if we didn't follow the betting sites, we wouldn't have gone into this mess to begin with. Yeah, and probably right. And people putting birthdays on their Twitter account. If you do that, that's fine. But you're just cruising for birth, happy birthday wishes. You get the because, balloons on your birthday if you go to. Yeah, your I know. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't understand. So pretty much, we're never going to get this back. Is that what we're trying to say? Because no. we try to have a birthday for our sports at nine sixty account. I I'm gonna assume we'll get it back because I think we just had to submit like a little form. Like Art had and... to send his driver's license. I think. Yeah. So. It's all in motion, but we have no idea how long it's going to be. So. Oh, I thought it was something cool like uh, a bitter ex-employee hacked into it and we had to change our and it got no. It's just over a stupid birthday that really nobody cares about. And for some reason, we had we had the thirst of following these betting sites. For what reason? I don't know. Can anybody explain that to me? <laughs> I Is really anybody going to go, oh, uh, like, FanDuel was like, oh, Sportsnet 960 <laughs> follows me. It's about damn time. Man, we can't like, even use FanDuel like, out oh, here. thank God, Sportsnet 960 is following us. Phew. We can't even use these books out here. And, they're and like, us. who's who's surfing Twitter with just our account to see if what's going on? I just don't understand why this was necessary to begin with. I It feels like a, a make-work project, perhaps. Someone right. was doing a little, just a little checkout and said, oh, this, this field isn't full. Interesting. What could go wrong if I just give us a, a fun little birthday so that people can wish us happy birthday once a year and then seward? <laughs> I like Patty's idea of... Just uh, start over? Um, 960, 960. Uh, what, are new, what, what should our new Twitter handle be? <laughs> 960, 960, name and location. We probably do a Rusk and Rose account and then do that as well. A little R&R? A little R&R, just R hmm. Twitter account. Um, What should be Sportsnet 960's new Twitter handle? Like, <laughs> if you want to go at Love Sports 69, I'm cool with that, if that's the one you want to <laughs> do. I, I would really hope for a little bit more... More professionalism? No, I was just thinking, like, effort. That's kind of low-hanging fruit, but... Yeah, I'd, uh... yeah. What what should be our new Twitter handle? Nine sixty nine sixty name and location. Let's do that. 
Um, we'll ask Anthony Stewart, who is who is very like he's very active on social media, and he also loves his, uh, his burner fo- account his too, Photoshop too. Yeah, he he does a great job of that. We'll talk to Stewie. We'll talk to Julian McKenzie. We got an hour left of the show. Russick and Rose, Sports at nine sixty. The fan.